ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nosebleeds Podcast. A lot to get into in the world of baseball as we record this episode on Wednesday, December 30th. Alongside my partner, Michael Calamari, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Happy you could be with us here for this episode of Nosebleeds. And Mike, I think we have to start, as all things in baseball start right now, with the San Diego Padres. Made a couple of big moves this week. They traded for Blake Snell. They traded for Hugh Darvish most recently. Let's get into the Snell trade first, because this is... Obviously a big one for both sides. We remember how things left off with Blake Snell and the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series. He was taken out in the sixth inning of that game. He was cruising, and he is out of Tampa Bay. He has been traded to San Diego. The Rays will get multiple prospects back, including Luis Patino, Cole Wilcox, Francisco Mejia, Blake Hunt. It's a trade Mike, just your thoughts overall. The Padres make this move for Blake Snell. They make the move for you, Darvish, and they're going all in now trying to potentially win a World Series in 2021. Yeah, I think the Padres definitely wanted to bolster that staff, especially with uh, uh, Clevenger going down. And uh, this is definitely a cost-cutting move for the Rays. They need to get down in the salary, and uh, Blake Snell is making up 20% of the the – salary that they were paying their players. So this is a big time cost cutting move for the Rays. And then for the Padres, I mean, they add a, an ace to their team to a, a pitching staff that already had two prominent starting pitchers in Paddock and Lament. And then when you talk about the Darvish move, that just adds to it. But the Blake Snell move alone is definitely a move in the direction to make this team a contender right with the Dodgers. Absolutely. And that might be the... <laughs> It's so funny to think about. That might be the biggest impediment to the Padres here is is not the amount of talent on their roster, but the fact that they have to play the Dodgers 19 times a year in that division. Like It's just tough luck, but it's going to be what they deal with as they go forward here. I think it's particularly interesting as we kind of lump these two uh, deals together here that you get Snell, you get Darvish, you look at the Padres' projected rotation now. You you touched on the, the Mike Clevenger injury. They traded for him late season last year. He had Tommy John in the offseason. He's done. He's out for 2021. But you look at what the Padres have done here, and not only do they make these deals, but they still have a ton of – depth in the minor leagues that they could pull from to make maybe even more moves here because you look at their rotation next year this is from jeff Passon of espn he treated tweeted this out right when the trade came out so you add darvish to this you've got darvish snell lamet davies paddock you also have gore lucchese morahone weathers in the pipeline has added depth pieces you go to 22 you get clevenger 
back. You still have all those guys as depth pieces and you could use that as potential capital to make more deals. I I just love what the Padres have done here because I really feel like when you're a team that is close to really being a championship contender, I think this is how you ought to behave and good on them for making these moves. But to think that they're done, I think might be a little short-sighted because they still have a ton of depth and a ton of pieces they could use to possibly, I think, Mike, maybe even make more moves. Yeah, I think that's definitely on the table. I mean, it's clear that this is a team that wants to uh, make the most of the young talent they have, especially with Tatis and Machado being there. I mean, this is a team that swung the bat great last year. They were fourth in OPS ranked over the major leagues. So this is definitely a move made to help bolster that pitching staff. I do do agree with you. There is moves they can make to continue to grow. And the pitching rotation, maybe not. I mean, when you get Snell, when you get Darvish, and you already have two uh, starting pitchers there before you made those deals, I'm at, I think their staff ranks right with the best in the league. If not the best, you can make that case. And I think they can continue to make moves to bolster that bullpen and continue to help them close games. They've already got some pieces there but I still think they can bolster that uh, aspect and they can even make um, parts of their offense better. We talk about Kim, the signing out of Korea. He was uh, five years, 25 million. They just made that move for him, a middle infielder. So that was one of their moves to make the offense better, but I still think there's work to be done. And they've been clearly the most ambitious team this off season. You talk about the Mets and Steve Cohen, how they shown ambition, but it's really the Padres that have made the big move so far. Yeah, the the Padres have a good combination. Uh, I was reading about this. I forgot who wrote about it, so forgive me. But they have an owner who's looking to take advantage of the fact that other teams are not spending. We've seen that throughout baseball with the pandemic. The the money is not flowing like it has been even last year. They have a GM who is a rock star who will make any move on any given day who does not seemingly does not care about risk. And you put those two things together and you see what we have seen out of the Padres over the last few days. So Blake Snell is a Padre. You Darvish is a Padre as well. Now, Mike, I I was friends with your brother when, when he was at WFUV, he's a Cubs fan. Are are you a Cubs fan as well? Uh, No Yankee fan. I've had to hear him talking about the trade. (laughs) That's for sure. I I can't imagine he was too happy about this, this uh, cost cutting move by the Chicago Cubs. Uh, no, he wasn't. I mean, he he tries to justify it in some ways. He likes the idea that they got four top prospects. But I had to remind him that these four top prospects, none of them are in the top 10. They're four top 20s, but none in the top 10. And they only got Zach Davies. That's the only player that they can really put in into the rotation for this uh, 2021 year. So they really gave up the Cy Young um, runner up for four prospects in a middle of the row starter. And Mike, yet another move for the Padres this week. They have tapped into the international market. They went out and got Hassan Kim, a 25-year-old infielder from the KBO. He played for Kiwum Heroes the last two years in KBO. Very productive, over 100 RBI in both of those two seasons. And... Mike, just another move for the Padres. They don't have to give up any prospects this time. Five years, $25 million. And they continue to go for it in this offseason, and they get one of, if not the best player in the international market. 
Yeah, he was definitely one of the highly touted uh, free agents this year, even though he wasn't uh, in Major League Baseball, obviously, last year. Um, this is a guy who has some serious pop. I mean, there's questions on whether that will translate to Major League uh, Baseball, but if this, uh, if what we see from the KBO, he could be a very good uh, hitter for the Padres, and that just further adds to that lineup and makes them more of a threat. Absolutely does. So Chicago cutting costs, the Rays cutting costs, which it seems like they're always doing, to be honest. And one more move we were talking about in the pre-show for the San Diego Super Padres, and that was the acquisition of Hassan Kim, uh, left side of the infield player, comes over from the KBO, played for uh, Kiwoom Heroes for the last two years. Uh, I was a big KBO guy for a couple of months last summer, so I know exactly about this guy. He's hit over 300 the last couple of years. Uh, he's got good pop, over 100 RBI as well. And just one more move for San Diego and a really good get, a guy who uh, just turned 25 this past October, Mike. So uh, yet another acquisition for the Padres and another good move for them in their lineup that doesn't cost them any prospects. Yep, that's definitely a big signing. I know there's questions surrounding his power. He showed a lot of power in the KBO, but there's just questions on whether that will translate to the MLB. But there's clear he has pop and he's a young talent that doesn't, they don't have to give it the prospects for. So it's definitely a good move. And it just shows again that the Padres, they're willing to make this next step. And they're they're with these three moves, Darvish, Snell, and Kim, they're by far the uh, next best team in the NL to the Dodgers. Kim with an 866 OPS in parts of seven seasons in the KBO. So, Padres making a ton of moves, but Mike, as we look around here, to be honest with you, the rest of the market has been really slow. And one of the teams that you referenced, so we'll get into them a little bit, not too much because they haven't uh, done a ton here, which is the Mets. And, and you were talking about them a little bit that they were, everyone expected them to be the most ambitious team this off season. That hasn't happened yet. And it's not that the Mets haven't done anything. They've got Trevor May, they've gotten James McCann, um, but I guess as we look forward to the future here, the more pressing question I think is not whether or not they're going to do anything because I think we all agree they are, but what do you want to see out of the Mets? What are you looking for? Maybe not just from the Mets, but from everybody in baseball now, as we head into the new year and supposedly the market starts to heat up as we head into 2021. Yeah, going into the new year, probably the biggest thing I want to see is DJ LeMay, who gets signed in that contract tie up. I know that has less to do with the Mets. There were talks that he was communicating with the Mets. But personally, I would like to see him return to New York uh, in the Bronx. And I think that would be perfect for the Yankees and him. And I really see that tying up. But if we're talking specifically about the Mets, I think George Springer is probably – makes the most sense as a signing. I know Trevor Bauer has been talked about, but if you look at the outfield, Brandon Nimmo struggled in center field. He's not a true center fielder. He makes more sense in left field. And I think Springer goes nicely into center. I mean, this is a Met team that hit very well last year. They were the best. They had the best average in the major leagues. They were top five in OPS, but they just struggled to score runs when it mattered most. So I really think Springer's a good fit in center field. I think there's questions about where Dominic Smith goes after that. 
you lose the DH. So if you take a guy like Springer, then a guy like Dominic Smith might not get as much uh, innings. He might just be a pinch hitter or rotational player. So I still think that Springer's the guy they have to go through. It's a good problem to have to have too many pieces. So I think that's probably the biggest move I'd like to see the Mets make. Yeah, I think it's been a while since we've talked about the Mets having too many pieces. So that's yeah. definitely that's definitely a plus. I, I think it's interesting you bring up Springer because the ideal outfield for the Mets is probably Nimmo in left, Conforto in right, Springer in center, assuming you get him. Probably be the best outfield defensively. And you, know, you talked about the offense. I mean, it's not far off. You know, the runners in scoring position thing was a huge issue for most of last season. And that's always been something that, kind of ebbs and flows i feel like right one year you'll be really bad with runners in scoring position and then you can be really good the next year with just no explanation um it's kind of a weird dichotomy and i, I you know that bounces back and, and as you said i mean it's a good mets lineup you know even with the existing pieces and if you just add george springer to the lineup you know you've got springer conforto Maybe Pete Alonso has a bounce back year remains to be seen. Jeff McNeil is an outstanding hitter. Uh, JD Davis maybe becomes more of a back end of the lineup type guy. Uh, you know, James McCann at the plate, maybe a little question mark. Um, the shortstop position has to be ironed out too. And you also brought up the DH. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I haven't given up on the DH in 21. I think this is, this is my read on this. Uh, tell me if you agree with this or not. I think the DH right now, as I look at the negotiations and baseball is, I feel like in a perpetual state of negotiation, the DH is being used as a bargaining chip right now that's being taken off the table, but I think we'll come back to the table as they talk about things like expanded playoffs, for example, that the owners will want because you know they need more revenue right now. Everybody needs more revenue right now. And they'll be willing to put the DH back out there. Now it's frustrating right now that we don't know what the rule on that's going to be for next year, because that's affecting teams. And you brought up Dominic Smith, you know, his role on this team is very different next year. If there's no DH Um, very debatable, if he actually has a role on this team next year, if there's no DH, but I think there's still a chance. And I think, you know, a team like the Mets, as you were talking about, could really benefit from having that. Yeah, I I definitely agree with the bargaining chip idea. It, it makes a, the players want the DH. There's no doubt about that. And I I think that the um, the owners and uh, Rob Manfred aren't unwilling to make the DH. I think they appeal to that decision too. So I think both sides agree with that. But I think the owners are basically holding out for if they want a more revenue maybe not add games in regular season, definitely not. Um, but add a playoff team or two, and that only increases revenue, like you said, for them. I don't see it happening this 2021. I guess that's where I disagree with you. So if I'm an NL team like the Mets, I'm preparing for the reality that we're not going to have that position. So, But I, I do see down the road, to, um, two years, three years down the road, I think it's going to be a universal DH. I'm almost surprised they didn't just – um, put it in there after you already had a season with it. But I think it's too late after um, Rob Manfred, I think, has come out and already said that there's not a plan to have a universal DH and NL team shouldn't plan for that. So I think it's a move that's two or three years away still. 
Are you uh are you a guy are you in favor of the universal DH or are you do you want to see like pitchers hitting? Personally, I'm 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 I see myself as a baseball purist. So I would I like the NL being different than the AL. I mean, it used to be no DH until the 70s or 60s when they added the DH. Uh personally, I, I think the pitcher hitting makes the conference unique. And then when you get to the World Series, it's we got when we're at the AAL team, it's DH. And then when it's NL, then the AL pitcher has to hit. So I think that makes it unique. And I think maybe the um, Rob Manfred likes that too. I'm not sure where he stands on that. But as a fan, I, I like the the idea the NL pitcher has to hit. Yeah, we're going to have to disagree on that one. Uh, you, I'm did, sorry. you disagree on that? Yeah, because I just think uh, – I think if, if the whole – one, I think the whole league should probably have the same set of rules, if we're being honest, one way or another. Um, you know, you see beauty in it. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's kind of insane personally, but I, I also believe that after seeing last year and, and seeing, you know, on the Mets, a guy like Dominic Smith, who probably wouldn't have played that much flourish as the DH. And, and I'm sure there are other teams who have guys like this as well. Yeah. Like let's do it. Let's, let's just have a DH because I would rather see, a competent good hitter take those at bats than, you know, a, a pitcher. Like, and trust me, like one of my most treasured memories as a Mets fan is Bartolo Colon's home run. But yep. you could also admit like Bartolo Colon hit 080 that year and, and a, a DH, I don't know how good of a DH they would have had on that team, but he would not have hit 080. He would have hit better than that. So I, I am, I am in favor of the DH and, and seeing what happened last year really actually clinched that for me more than drove me away from it. Yeah, I see that point, but I mean, it's not like the other team has the DH and you don't. I mean, both teams going to be hitting with the pitcher. And I get the idea that both uh, leagues should have the same rules, but I don't know. Personally, I'm just like a purist in the idea where I think it's the, the idea of a pitcher hitting, like he could be a game changer and he's not supposed to be. Guy like Bumgarner or Kershaw, who are like good pitching hitters. Uh, that makes it exciting for me. And I understand the DH, but I think it's, um, I think it's cool. Like a team like the, um, the Dodgers shouldn't, they don't, they don't seem like a team that should have a DH to me. I don't know. Just cause they're NL. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, it's also interesting. I will also grant you. It's very interesting to watch pitchers hit. Cause it's like, yes. everybody's got a different approach at the plate. Some guys have no approach. Some guys are just tapped out. But I remember it's... it was like John Lester was like 0 for 32 <laughs> and when he would move to the Cubs. Yeah, I remember, wasn't it a, I want to say there was one game he like got a bunt down and it was like his first time doing that in a while and everybody at Wrigley went nuts. Yes. I, yeah, do I don't remember. That, that might have been his first year or second. I don't remember. I was, I was still in high school. So it was, it was pretty early on when he was with the Cubs. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'll, I'll make you a little wager. I think the D I think we're going to have a DH on opening day next year. All right. But, all right. I'll, I'll say we are and we'll see what happens. All right. Well, we'll actually come up with what the stakes are later, but that's what we're going with for right now. I uh, wanted to close this episode uh, talking about Trevor Bauer. Uh, he is arguably the biggest fish on the free agent market this year, defending Cy Young award winner pitched last year for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, it is not believed that, he is going back to Cincinnati. And there was a report late last night from John Heyman, who said 
that Bauer is looking for a five or six year deal worth anywhere from 36 to 40 million average annual value. That would put it in the ballpark of 200 million for the whole contract, just depending on the exact numbers. And obviously the market is slow. Uh, Bauer actually responded to John Heyman's tweet last night as he is wont to respond to a lot of tweets. Um, he said, John, thank God for you. I'm learning so much about my free agency from your tweets. Keep them coming. Um, Mike, I saw this number last night. Uh, frankly, it seems very steep considering what the market is, but what are your thoughts as you see this unfold with Trevor Bauer as he tries to find a suitor and also at the same time tries to get the bag? Yeah, I think the the report's really interesting because the 36 to $40 million is within the – that's more than what Garrett Cole got um, from the Yankees, and that would be breaking the record for the most money received by a pitcher. So that's interesting. And what also interests um, – what confuses me a little bit about this is that I would never think someone coming off a 60 game season would be looking for even deserve it of that kind of money. I mean, Trevor Bauer was great. Cy Young, he was probably the best pitcher in maybe, maybe baseball that season, but I still don't see him getting that kind of money. I, I don't think a team is going to be willing to give him near that kind of money. I see him more in a 25 to $30 million range, 30 million being the cap really. Uh, and I think he could get that in LA. He can get that maybe somewhere in New York. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. I thought the Padres were an option, but now with the recent set of events, that's, that doesn't seem like it will happen, but I see a guy like Bauer had a great season, but only 60 games. So it's such a small sample size. Um, I don't see him getting more than 30 million. It's hard for me to believe that. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating because you you were talking about the Padres. They're probably out. I think the favorite right now is probably Anaheim. I mean, and they do not have a good track record with going out and signing free agent starting pitchers, which we saw a few years back. I think another way to kind of spin the numbers here, and granted, this is probably a little bit deceptive, but I saw this comparison and I thought it was very interesting. Um, there are two pitchers in baseball who have the same amount of seasons of earned run average below four. One uh, has a career 3.90 ERA. The other has a career 4.35. One has significantly more experience than the other. We'll call him player a, the other has been in the league for uh, let's see here. Five full seasons. We'll call him player B. Player A is Trevor Bauer. Player B is Steven Matz. Now, I'm not comparing the two. I think Trevor Bauer's league's better. Obviously, Steven Matz is, is, you know, probably has his last chance coming up this season. The Mets tendered him a one-year deal. But there is something to be said for the point you made that, you know, he just had his best year. But, again, 60-game season, one. Uh, two, is it sustainable? We don't know. It might be. It might not. Who knows? Um, but I, I think to ask for that kind of money, and we don't know that he is. I mean, he tweeted that he's not, but who knows anymore, basically. I, I think 
to ask for a sum like that, that exorbitant amount of money to me is a bit steep. And if I'm a, a team that's out there that's looking to sign him, and, and this is for anybody, I don't think I'm paying that as much as I would, I would hate to say something like that, like to just ask for that much really based on one season, uh, if we're being honest. In a 60 game season. Yeah. I mean, what, 12 starts, 11 starts, some maybe 13 at most. Yeah. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. He's a good pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just would not give that kind of money for after seeing 12 starts of him looking amazing, which you could put that together under any 12 start stretch. Basically. I mean, there's been plenty of guys who have been looking like the Cy Young favorite heading into the all-star break and then fell apart at the back half. And that could have been Bauer. Couldn't he could have been the Cy Young throughout the whole year, but it's such a small sample size. Yeah. I mean, I think about all those years where Chris sale between the white Sox and the Red Sox would look really good and would be in the all-star game and would either get hurt or just run out of gas the last two three months of the season so i think you're absolutely right there remains to be seen what bowers market will be what springer's market will be what anyone's market will be really that's the story of this mlb offseason and that'll do it for this episode of nosebleeds happy new year everybody hope you have a happy and a healthy and a safe 2021 for my partner mike calamari i'm jimmy sullivan we'll see you next time